Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's talking about, time about. for Mortgage Matters. Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome, welcome. I forgot the person in here before me always really likes uh, loud headphones. Loud. Loud headphones? Yeah. Yeah, you're on Jeff's mic. So I scare myself real quick, yeah. which is good because I kind of yeah. need to wake up a little bit. We all do, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I uh, woke up late this morning. Don't worry, hey. though. I had time to brush my teeth. Oh, that's nice. So, yeah. You're really late. You're really late but... if you don't have time to brush your teeth. Yeah. Yeah, brushing your teeth in the morning is a ritual. It's important. It's really important. Yeah, but fortunately, it's radio. Right. Yeah. And it's not scratch and sniff radio. <laughs> it's just radio. It's just radio. So it's fun uh, to be back. Yeah. Jim, how was uh, Thanksgiving for you? Good. Yeah. 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 I know that was, um, it's been a while since mm. we've been here, huh? I know. It's been crazy. Well, it we was Veterans couple... Day. Mm-hmm. And it was Thanksgiving. Yeah. But then also, Dan and Will, let's just clear the air here i want everybody to know what happened dan and will were supposed to have a show that is right i had a scheduled day off Mm -hmm. and guess what i think it was will i think they gave it i think they gave it their best shot yeah will did they (sighs) yeah i don't know i remember november November and then i was off okay morris in here running the board and i get a call when i'm out in the middle of nowhere uh, where where are the people do, yeah. that are supposed to yeah, be here? No, I I told them what to do. Yeah. Well. So anyway, <laughs> to the loyal following of Mortgage Matters, it's great to be back. We missed you too. Uh, it's funny now we get phone calls when we aren't here. Uh-huh. We get phone calls. Uh, we get extra phone calls. By the way, yeah. when. Um, yeah. The re, the the rerun the, is a rerun. When the reruns a rerun, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. that's what happens. <laughs> that prompts yeah, extra phone yeah. calls. Yeah. But so here we are. It's December. Yeah. Just like that, and it was seventy six <laughs> yesterday. I know. And it was, was thirty seven driving in this morning. I know. For me, it was a wee bit nipply this morning. Yeah. It's cold. Uh, feeling fallish. Finally, I mean, I guess it's officially winter, but. Nah, all the le- leaves are turning and falling everywhere, and it's cold and it's icy. We've been having frost in the morning in the North County. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got the fireplace going. Just nice. want you guys to know, here we are on December second, and I still haven't had to turn on the heater. Nice. We talk about this so much. It's a game I like to play in my house. Yeah. How long heater. can you go before you turn on the heater? On the heater. We have a really good. Um, warming fireplace though so we've been using that so i mean it's not Good. like There's it's not like we're not heating our house you can't no, see your breath inside or anything yeah. it's really comfortable but <laughs> yeah, yeah. three kids i would hope yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kids. Sorry, i'm kids. cold dad get yeah. a hoodie son <laughs> yeah 
I grew up in Big Bear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the funny thing is, though, you talk about weather and cooling down. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's not cooling down. The mortgage business. The mortgage business. Look, is that what you were going to say for real? I did. I was. I know. I overheard um, the setup department talking yesterday. So these are the people at the company that put together the new loans. I overheard the setup department talking about how they were unusually busy. Mm-hmm. And I think unusually busy, you know, just because it's December. Mm-hmm. Funny thing, the mortgage business and kind of the real estate business can drop off a cliff in it's a tough three months we're in right now november's kind of like the end of the fun if i if you will december starts the i'm not that busy and really january and february are like eesh well where's all the activity real estate and mortgage transactions take 30 to 60 days typically to complete right Mm -hmm. so yeah from the time go back to the psyche Go back to the psyche of like sometime around Thanksgiving or slightly before, who wants to sell their house? I'm, and I'm saying this kind of like the hypothetical who, you know, I'm not suggesting you shouldn't, but who wants to sell their house when, you know, you're you're going to have a sign in the yard, you're going to have people coming in, you got to keep it clean and all this for the holidays, you mm-hmm. got open houses trying to happen, you got all this stuff going on muddy shoes coming in to look around through the rainy months. Um, But then also, well, what if you list your house in November and you sell it and you need to move out in December? Um, Can be a tough time of year to move too with holiday parties and holiday traveling and schedules, all these things. And so I think there's just something about it that makes a lot of people just not want to do business in you know, not want to have their house for sale, sold, or buying a home really in the month of December. Yeah, and so there's less motivation for sure. Yeah, so then once the first of the year comes, you have people that are ready again. Okay, I'm ready. This is what I wanted to do. Made it through the holidays. I'm going to sell my house, get where I want to go. Um, well, it's 30 to 60 days. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of a a downtime in that period. Well, this year isn't feeling that way. I'm seeing plenty of purchase activity. I'm seeing plenty of refinance activity. People are just willing to engage in financial transactions right mm-hmm. now, which is great, mm-hmm. but it's a little unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyhow, it, it's a welcome. I, I welcome being unusually busy uh, anytime. This is what we do. It's a good problem to have. This is what we do. We don't, I mean, I would prefer not to have a season. We do have a season. It starts about Memorial Day, gets really hot all the way through Labor Day. And after that, it's up to the individual to prospect, grow, earn, make business happen. But the market usually cools down. Here's what I will say is happening right now, though, that I just think is great in our county for buyers is that there are less people, quote unquote, trying to buy because of what you just mentioned, uh, Jason. The the activity is going down because people are distracted with the holidays, what have you. And all of the sudden, I've gotten into some escrows with a buyer that has 5% down, Yeah, makes a nice offer, good price, not a lot down, not a lot of competition, and we're in escrow. Boom. Yeah. Um, I have bought good time to think about maybe 
I've making only, an offer on a house. I've only bought three houses in my life. Bought all of them in December. I don't know. I I realized that after the last go round, is I guess that this time of year doesn't scare me. Um, but also, you're exactly right. There's a what ends up happening is there's a little bit less activity, mm-hmm. right? So it's not quite the feeding frenzy. Uh, when you put the house on the market, everybody comes, and all of a sudden you got all this, you know, competition for it. This time of year, I think even a seller is like going, okay, great. Somebody wants to buy. Let's look at their offer and give it some real consideration. And mm-hmm. so you bring up a good point. Those borrowers that are maybe minimally qualified, a good, a good strong offer, but you know, you don't have. 50% down and all these kind of things. So somebody like that might have a little bit more success in a market like this, right? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I like about it as a buyer. Um, that same thing from the other perspective. It's not a seller being willing to entertain offers that are you know buyers that need more consideration or whatever. But as a buyer, I like that idea that you could look at it sleep on it, take a day to think about it. Uh, And we really are in a market where, uh, and you know, if there are people that are out in this market right now, especially in the entry level home market, sometimes you don't have enough time for that. You know, the transaction, it's almost a transaction before it is, you know, you come to the house, look at the house, it fits your bedroom count, it fits your location, it fits your price point, check it out. Other people are too. You know, and if you really like it, you're going to have to put in an offer and, you know, all of a sudden it's a half a million bucks. And so you're going, whoa, that's a, can I think about this? You know, I'm the kind of guy that takes three days. I put, you know, shoes in the shopping cart and on Amazon and think about it for three days before I actually pull the trigger. I'm not prepared to buy a half a million dollar house within an hour of seeing it. Mm -hmm. And so then you'll lose it, (laughs) you know? And those pains hurt, that kind of thing. So in this market, you can go a little bit slower. You can kind of, you know, take your time, give it a little bit of thought. I know we're having a real estate agent on for the second hour. We are. It'll be nice to probably continue that conversation a little bit about what's going on this time of year. Uh, and, And whether that, you know, my perspective, of course, is just one, as is yours. Yeah. So it'd be great to um, to get a little bit broader view of what it feels like from that realtor chair. Yeah, Mike Turnquist from Keller Williams and uh, 4610 Group Real Estate will be on the middle hour of the show, 9.30 to 10.30. And uh, we're certainly going to get his insight about what happens in the market. But I also want to add to what you just said, Jason, because what is, regardless of hot market, cold market, what is mandatory no matter what, is a good pre-approval with your loan officer. I had a veteran contact me earlier in the week that was already in escrow and had told me, hey, I I need to work with you. I got pre-approved through one of these online mortgage companies. I don't like where this is going. And I don't think I'm qualified for a VA loan, but I made a VA offer. Okay, let's (laughs) talk about a couple things first. Uh, are you a veteran? Yes. Okay. Um, I don't think I have the liberty to ask if you were honorably or dishonorably discharged. So let's talk about your certificate of eligibility, which is a document 
that the Veterans Affairs Department produces to guys like me and you. Yeah. It says they've had a foreclosure. They haven't had a foreclosure. They either are exempt or have a veteran's funding fee based on their disability status, and they can get a loan. And these people weren't even, they didn't even have it yet. They didn't have a certificate of eligibility. Correct. So an online bank, unnamed, made a pre-approval letter to them based on just income documents alone and faith that the VA was going to offer them a loan. Okay. This is one scenario, but why am I telling you this? Because you can find a house, whether it's a hot market or cold market and get yourself into escrow. Truth be told, you're probably going to get your Murphy's law is the thing, right? Murphy's law is out there. You're going to get yourself into a nice house and find out that you may or may not be able to fund a loan to close and buy this house unless you get very uncomfortable terms. Yeah. Let's go back. Um, First of all, good for your borrower for saying, I got this pre-approval and it may or may not be legitimate. I mean, he must have been kind of feeling the uncertainty and the lack of professionalism and um, not really knowing exactly what to do. That's exactly um, what happened. It was the answers of the question to the right. questions that he was getting. So, and just so you guys know, uh, we do a, we do quite a bit of VA loans, and uh, we love to do VA loans. They're not difficult. I think there was a stigma around them for years. There was a period of time where they were uh, a higher interest rate, and and maybe just not quite as great as they are today. Mike, you you've been in the industry a little bit less than I have. True. They've been an unbelievably great loan since you came to the industry. So um, when you see that VA borrower, mm-hmm. oh, you know, you're or you're going through pre-approval and you say, you know, are you a veteran by chance? And they say, well, yes, I am. Man, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of a sudden you realize, okay, um, you know, there's, it's a process. There's things we got to do. Uh, understanding whether or not they have that full entitlement is a big deal, right? Correct. So we get, um, generally, and like you said, I don't, I don't ask whether or not you're honorably discharged either. Generally what I'll do is ask if they have their DD 214, right? Um, that's the separation paperwork. It'll give us, uh, what we need to do to be able to order that certificate of eligibility. The certificate of eligibility is produced through the the Veteran Affairs website, and it's got, uh, you know, sometimes it's an immediate form. You can Correct. punch in a name and number and get it right away. Sometimes it says that it's like got to go through a little bit of a manual process and you're going to have 48 to 72 hours to wait. Um, so at any rate, that certificate of eligibility tells us a lot. It tells us whether the borrower has their full entitlement available to them. It tells us whether or not they um, are eligible at all. Mm-hmm. It also tells us whether or not they're exempt from the funding fee of the loan or not. And um, yeah, you know that. I think just of it as, as a, I think of it. As, remember geometry, Jason? Sophomore year, maybe freshman year, if you're smarter than me. <laughs> um, when you do geometry problems, there you start the problems with a given. Okay. Yeah. Given this triangle is an isosceles triangle. Yeah. And when you start a VA loan, the certificate of eligibility is the given. Right. Without it, good luck. Yeah. Actually, without it, what are you doing? You're well, not you, doing. 
Yeah, and, and you know, the other thing, too, so your guy got a pre-approval letter from an online banker um, and then ultimately made an offer? Yeah, so... And got an offer accepted? I, I'm so glad you brought this back up because I, I wanted to make a point, and this is not to be taken lightly, but is the situation. This time of year, there are a lot of agents that are not taking it easy, but also... I find a lot of agents that aren't really that well experienced. They don't ask for the pre-approval letter or they make an offer with a pre-approval letter missing, void, not there, on the come, if you will. And and this agent, albeit energetic, ready to go, ready to help their client, made an offer that wasn't even a VA offer, but the borrower wanted a VA loan. You know, mm. These contracts are the stipulations of how our escrow goes. And we we did not have a VA offer. Ultimately, I had to tell the borrower, look, I, I don't think that we can do what you want to do in the time frame that we have. Um, I wish you the best of luck. I'd like to help you. Here's our best offer. And, and they have not gotten back to me yet. But the the reason that they may got into escrow is because, quite frankly, the listing agent had no idea that mm. they were fundable or unfundable and accepted an offer Again, why am I telling you this? Because there are properties that need to be sold and not enough people making offers right now because it's the winter time. Yeah. And I think that there's a market out there, but it's different than it is in June, July, August right yeah. now. Probably a good price. They offered they offered four thousand dollars less than than four twenty, which is what it was listed for out in Cambria. I wish Mike was already here. Um yeah. I, I want to talk more about this. Um pre-approval thing with him too i i don't get it to it, it this doesn't happen to me too often anymore and i think it's in part because the real estate agents that i work with um we've been working together for a while you know what i mean sure and but it happens with buyers, like you said, you know, if a buyer shows up because a coworker or somebody said, hey, you should really talk to my loan guy. And then they call you and it turns out they're working with agents that you're unfamiliar with, that you don't have a history with, you don't understand how they do. And they're going, yeah, I got an offer accepted this morning. Um, at least in your case, this person had a um, an online pre-approval that was not really on terra firma, okay? Mm -hmm. I see these where, and I mean, as you could imagine, I've been doing this now, gosh, I don't know. I've been saying 15 years for a while, so it's probably more than that. Uh, but <laughs> let's look at that is, I feel like I've seen it all. You know, guy comes in, oh, I got, yeah, you know, I got this offer accepted. How good's your rate? Okay. Cool the jets. Let's. We got a little bit of process. I, I got great rates. We'll we'll get there in a second. Right now, we got to snap the football. You know, you're already in the end zone. We got to snap the football. So let's right. get offsides. Get on the line, right? <laughs> so we start looking at it, and you know, and I've seen it so much. Like run a guy's credit. You know, well, what's your rate? I have an 800 credit score. Okay, well, okay, here we go. Get going. Figure out. Hey, bud, you got a 450 credit score. And not only are you not getting a good rate, you're not getting any loan. Your mm -hmm. your score is too low for any loan. That's not possible. Um, you get in there and look at it. Identity theft. 
mm-hmm. happened last month. Everything shot, and it's gonna yeah probably gonna be able to fix it up in some time. Take mm-hmm. about a year. It's gonna be awful, but you're not transacting real estate today under those circumstances. You know, from that where the guy's completely caught off guard to the other end of the spectrum where you know, maybe you'll have a self-employed borrower who – this is a good time of year to talk about this too. I agree. The self-employed borrower who is like, yeah, yeah, I make $12,000 a month. I'm rolling So it. I make one hundred fifty yeah. grand a year. I'm ready to buy that house on broad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Get into the pre-approval. Start crunching down tax returns. Bud, you're re- – reported income is actually about $30,000 a year. You said it was 12 grand. Yeah. What happened? Well, self-employed. Ha ha ha. I write everything off. Yep. Okay, well you're not getting a loan. That's not how this works. So, you you can see any one of those things happen where the borrower tells the realtor, "Yeah, you know, they go, "Have you been pre-approved yet?" And the and the borrower says, "Well, I don't need to be. I make 150 grand a year. I have an 800 credit score." Yeah. Let's write an offer. Or I've, this or, house isn't going to last long. Let's write an offer. Yep. That that realtor really needs to be able to say, "Okay. I love your love your enthusiasm." And I bet you are well qualified with unbelievable credit score. Yep. But nobody will take us serious. In fact, I won't put you in my car and take you to look at homes until you're pre-approved. That would alleviate so many of these problems. Mm-hmm. Um and for the most part, I got to say and it's, the agents that have been doing it a long time, they're good at it, right? They know how to do that. They know how to get a they borrower have to, to get be. They have to be. Time is scarce. It's limited. Everyone has 24 hours in a day and has to sleep for six to eight of those hours, I would imagine. And, yeah. and here's, the, here's the other thing. Why would you want to do business with someone that isn't prepared? Would you go to a test being like, I didn't study, but I'm probably going to get an A. Well, and same thing is, you know... Like your guy that called you kind of panicking, hitting the panic button because it's right. I'm in escrow now and I'm not sure I'm even able to get this loan. And it turns out it sounds like he's not. Um, as a borrower or a buyer, somebody that's putting shelter over my family's head, I need to know that the people that are running my transaction, my lender, my realtor, my escrow agent, I want to know that they're good. I want to know that they're thorough, they have a process, and that we're following it. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not going to go into open-heart surgery and lay down on the table without having done what they said you need to do, right? I mean, I never had open-heart surgery, but I think they make you fast and other (laughs) things. There's there's a process you have to go through, right? Speaking of working with people that are good, (laughs) we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and when we come back, Mike Turnquist from Keller Williams Real Estate, 4610 Real Estate Group, is going to be here on the air with us for an hour. We're going to talk about his process and how his team helps move buyers through the transaction. So please, heat up your coffee. What do you say, Jay? Wash your dog. Water your dog. Water your dog. You don't have time to wash a dog on a commercial break, Mike. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. We'll be right back. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. 
Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. Too often, potential home buyers disqualify themselves believing they need perfect credit. The fact is, we can finance home buyers with low credit scores, collections, bankruptcy, foreclosure, or short sale. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018 396 DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328 Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. guys welcome back i i gotta say mm. i love the song choices jim yeah i think i told you this before but periodically i'll get an email uh-huh. from somebody that listens to the show yeah. that says the the music yeah is, like is what i love coming in and out <laughs> of breaks jim has got the best music and i'm like well, thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's... What do you think about the content and the hosts and the other stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Look, we're just about ready to get really crazy yeah, yeah, with yeah. this segment here. That's why crazy. I train. like it. Yeah, there I it like is. It. There it is. And I also like that. You know, that's one of those rare mm. instances where you can actually understand what he's saying when he's singing, yeah. and then when yeah, he's yeah. not singing, you're like, you can't understand a bloody word. Sharon, uh, you can understand. <laughs> you can understand, Sharon. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much. Sorry to all the people on the other end of the radio right now. Driving. That's pretty good. Yeah. Hands on the wheel. So uh, we're back. Yes, just we like are. that. We've got our guest, and may I add, third time on Mortgage Matters, Ooh. Mike Turnquist from Once, twice. Group Forty Six Ten Real Estate, right here in beautiful San Luis Obispo. Mike, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me on again. Glad to have you. 
Say good morning again, Mike. Hey, good morning. <laughs> Sorry, I got all caught up with Ozzy Osbourne and I forgot to turn on a microphone. Oh, sorry and about that. And cut. It, is, uh, <laughs> three times on the show, is that a good thing? That's a great it, thing. Am I one of the few that get invited back? Twice you're interesting, third time you're a friend. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be like... Twice you're interesting, third time you're signing up to be a sponsor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have this paperwork for you. Press hard. There's three copies. You'll be now a commercial break for us. Just kidding. Mike, Sounds expensive. Yeah, Mike. Mike. Yeah, it's more than you'd think, too. Just, just in case you don't have the radio on 920 AM all the time, right before you got here, we were talking about the significant yet not so significant time of year we're in for buying real estate the holiday season you're gonna hop right in on this poor guy am i right well, he's a third timer why okay. not hot well, bring it <laughs> he's a third yeah. time yeah. we did all that other stuff <laughs> the listeners um, listen every did, week now you you need to refer it to as the best time Interesting. of year oh uh, i'm the gonna most... play devil's advocate here mike okay. um why off. why off. why is this a good time of year well, in case you haven't noticed, things have been a little crazy, um, and, and it's slightly more relaxed because only the serious players are out playing the game right now. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I heard you guys mention that you know you, you have to make a decision within hours. Um, now you might have the possibility to to sleep on it overnight before you make a decision. Um, before you know, it's just uh, it's a knee jerk. You, you would have to. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you liked it, someone else is going to like it, mm-hmm. and the guy down the street is going to like it as well. Well, and how many times you both you guys have experienced this? How many times is it's you as a buyer, right, or it's a client that you're trying to help, and they want that time? Look, bud, you might not have that time. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not going to push you, but just know this could all be gone by the time you're ready. Yeah. And they go, I understand that, but I'm not going to make a decision like this right now. And then they call the next morning and it's like, well, that's what happened. That that sting hurts, right? It, and it happens. It does. And, and you have different types of people. And, and we have this conversation with our clients well before the situation. Hmm. This comes up on day one where we sit down on the consultation and, and explain the dynamics of this current market that we're in. Um, so it's it's not a surprise when they finally like it and they want to make an offer or something. And, uh, y- you know, but then you have people who kind of have to learn the hard way. The hard way. Yeah. And, um, you know, they, they go, oh, shoot. You told us that might happen. Yeah. Okay. And some people, it happens to repeatedly before they get serious. Yeah. Um, and figure that out. So r- right now is kind of a nicer time because, you know, they have a few more extra hours to be able to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Needless to say, I mean, you find there's a – when you buy a house for the first time, you're you're either – I find it's like the choice between two opposites. It's like I love this house. I want to live in it for the rest of my life. I can't believe we're in this. Or it's a three to five year plan. Yeah. Or you're like, I'm just not renting. (laughs) I'm just not renting, you know? So, so much of what you do, Mike, and, and listeners need to know this. I I love working with you because the buyers are like, here's my plan. We're in a five year plan. We're looking for a house, probably not a condo. And we got a five year plan. And, and, 
and I'm going to make the payments and I need the payments to be around this. And your, your pre-game or pre-snap, if you're a quarterback fan, prep is so great because you understand that at one point you're going to have to make a decision quick. Oh, yeah, it, and, it has to. Your preparation for that, I, I commend because I think a lot of agents kind of move around that conversation until such time that it's in front of them, you know? I agree. It's not convenient to prep them at the point in which the decision is in front of them. <laughs> no, because your emotions are really high and, and it's it, it can be fairly intense for a lot of people. Plus and that's not really you. the this time to make a decision. It's It's like, you know, when you're hungry at night, well, do I go to bed or do I get some ice cream? Mm. Right, your willpower, and you know, I do like you, ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> make these decisions and have the plan set up before you get in the situation. Yeah, and I think that's I, a good idea. Well, so I I want to ask you on that same topic. So I get it sounds like as a buyer, um, maybe maybe I got a little bit more time. It's not quite as as like immediate and cutthroat for me. Um, How's inventory right now? And also as a seller, um, do I want to sell in a market like this where it's going to be a little bit softer? Uh, I, I don't understand what you mean by soft. Well, I if I'm selling, if I get to pick, let me let me just set this stage. Behind door one is the buying fevered people where seven of them are going to come in and trip over one another to like fight to give me the highest price. And door number two is like December where a buyer is going to look at a house and feel like, well, at least I've got until the end of the day. Right. So that's what I mean as a seller. Is it, I, and I guess maybe I shouldn't be calling that soft. I'm, I'm just saying relative to like not door white one hot, where it's like hot. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I know, I know part of the answer to my own question is that, um, if does. you need to sell, then now is the time. And if you don't need to sell, then you can craft a plan or whatever. But, um, what's your thoughts on? Well, what we hear oftentimes is like, I'm going to wait till spring because that's mm-hmm. the buying season. And that's when I want to, you know, do make that move. Um, but you come across everybody else and their mothers saying that same thing. And if they don't talk to anybody who has their, you know, finger on the pulse of the market, they're going to jump in and put their house in the highest amount of inventory in the spring. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right now, the only buyers in the game are the the serious ones, and there's still people who got transferred or, you know, there, there's a plethora of reasons why someone needs to buy right now instead of the tire kickers and the looky-loos, and the inventory is super low. It's a little, It's been low all year, but it's even lower now. Okay. So why would you want more competition, right? Why, mm, that's a good point. You know, you don't want more competition. So you can maximize the chance of multiple offer situations, which really puts you in that position for success as, as a seller. Very interesting. Very interesting. I have a question, a follow-up question to that same topic. You get into a multiple offer situation. You accept the offer. How many of your clients, Mike, are like, oh my gosh, we sold the house and there's not that many things to replace our house with. 
how do you prep them for that? And and is there are there ways for them to sell the house and live in it afterwards for a little while? Yeah, yeah, and 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 again, that's not a conversation that we have at the point we're signing an offer. Sure. That's that was set into place weeks or months before when you set the plan. Do you want to sell first? Do you want to buy first? Um, but you can tie right. the two transactions together. Sure. Um, you know, contingency of, of of purchase. We will sell you the property, but you're going to give us time to go find something else. And within this amount of time, if we do not find something we like, <clears throat> we have the ability to cancel the contract, mm-hmm. which isn't normally true. Um, in, in a typical real estate sale, because most buyers will pass over that, or what do you mean by is it normally true? Well, in a in a typical real estate transaction, the buyer can walk within that first mm-hmm. you know inspection period, so to speak, seventeen but, and twenty one days. Yeah, but yeah. the seller has very little out. Once you're in contract, you're in contract. Yeah, to be yeah. able to not sell their property to that particular buyer, right. In this market, and I'm not talking about just this winter, but in the 2017 market, what percentage of transactions would you say are contingent upon um, selling or buying another property? I would think a lot of them. Yeah. Like north of 75%? Um, At some point in the game, probably between 50 and 75%. See, I get this. We get this a lot, especially with – listeners of the show or friends, family referrals that say, okay, I'm thinking about buying a house and I want to get pre-approved first and kind of start to figure out what I can afford and what the numbers are and this, that, and the other. Um, so they haven't had the counsel of a realtor yet. They don't. They have not yet been told, okay, this is how all these things go. And so we do We do a little bit of a, a, you know, a good job, I would suggest, of kind of laying out what we see. Sometimes you sell your house and then you just are winging it and hoping that you're going to find a suitable replacement for you in that escrow period that you can somehow get to line up all together at the end. That's mm-hmm. a that's quite a feat, and you're putting an awful lot of faith in there. Mm-hmm. A lot of um, stress. That's a lot not of stress, fun. right? That is not fun for those people. No, and you know, I mean, I did. That's what I did when I when I bought my last house, and and I knew though. I put my house on the market. I knew the house I wanted to buy, but I couldn't. I tried to write a contingent offer and they wouldn't take it. Mm-hmm. Said, well, come back when you're serious, like when your place is in escrow serious. I'm like, okay. So I needed to get my place into escrow um, to be able to, to get the seller to entertain my offer. So I had my eye on the property. And what I did was I created an opportunity for myself to sort of have enough overlap in the time frames. I did a um, a 45-day escrow on my sell and a 30-day escrow on my buy. So I felt like I had this two-week window to see if I could get my buyers through enough of their contingency release where I felt like I was in a good enough place where ultimately I ended up writing a no-contingency offer to buy, even though I really was selling. And... um Anyhow, it was very stressful coming all the way down to it. And in the end, it worked out fine, um, which, by the way, was a great lesson for me in um, as somebody that works in this business day in and day out. There's nothing like putting yourself right through the ringer on it, right? I agree. Transacting yeah. and you're like, oh, th- this is what that feels like when you're waiting yeah. for your offer to be responded to or when you're a seller reviewing a request for repairs. How dare you? <laughs> 
how dare you? Are you basically you're saying this is a teardown? Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, anyhow, the other options are for those buyers to um, just give themselves, like you said, a contingency to be able to have um, a replacement property under contract before their all systems go on on being forced to sell. We also see a fair amount of people that do they sell their house and get themselves a rent back of a month or two or three where they now have a broader window to look, but that still feels like a big gamble to me. Yeah. It puts a, it puts a time frame where you, you get on a crunch and, you know? and who wants to settle like in terms of having to buy a house where you live. I sold my yeah. house, you know, I lived there, but I sold my house and now I want to buy the, another one. And now my window's running out. And so all of a sudden I'm just going to have to pick one that I don't really like. Yeah, and it just sounds tough. It, it is, and that's why it's so important to set that game plan up front and have those proper expectations. Because um, if you don't, you, you end up setting yourself up for a real stressful period of time in your life. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the hard thing too is, um, and by the way, I do think, uh, I do think when we talk about inventory problems and one of the challenges that we're facing in the market here, um, one of the reasons real estate values are so firm, in my opinion, I, I can give you the Reader's Digest version of it. One is we didn't build homes for a decade, so we have a true shortage just in terms of how many roofs we need for how many bodies. Um, two is we have a bunch of people that have bought properties since 2009 that have sweet low tax rates and amazing 3% 30-year fix. And so they're putting up with a lot of dissatisfiers with their house. Just I'm willing to stay here. Yep. Um, we'll throw another coat of paint on this baby because it's cheap. My loan's amazing and I'm not going to move. Um, not a bad and, decision. And then lastly, yeah. So if you just look at the the final group of people, I think, is those people that say – well, I'm not going to get – There's, I look out, there's low inventory, right? It's like going shopping at 11 o'clock at night on Black Friday and the shelves are empty, you know? What you're looking for is either gone or it's the one where the packaging's beat up or something. So I'm not even going to sell my house that I'm like, yeah, I'd like another bedroom. However, I got good taxes, I got a low interest rate, and the inventory out there is hard. So now you're compounding the problem. I would be a seller and then be a buyer and create options and all those things, but the environment's too threatening for me. And so that's one of the things I'm always trying to encourage people, like what what Mike is saying, you got to have a plan. And, and you can still do this successfully if you have a good team and you put together a plan. It can give you that confidence to go make a move, you know? Um, and there's some of the stuff we can't control, right? Property taxes. Unless you're over 55, we don't have a lot of help for you there. Mm. Um, interest rates, yeah, interest rates are a little bit higher than they were a few years ago. They're still crazy low. They are still great. Yeah. They're still great. And then in terms of that inventory problem, it's light inventory, but you can set yourself up in a way where you're not guaranteed to have to sell, or you can you know, put enough enough uh, pieces together where you give yourself a best chance at finding exactly what you want. How many people find the house first well before they list? A lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, because they, there's that fear. What if we don't find anything? And then- Am I going to go rent again? It, I'm going to put all my stuff in storage and become a tenant? 
Or am I going to live with, with mom and dad for a few months? And yeah. for some people, that that's worse, you know? Yeah, that's uh, – we should have a button for that. Yeah. Wah, 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 wah. So, <laughs> but <laughs> we, when they but, find the home, yeah. <laughs> like you have that example that you had, well, the sellers are in the driver's seat. So they're like, no, 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 no. Uh, we don't have to take – Thank you, Jim. Sorry, better yeah. late than never, but yeah. I do have one. We don't have to take your offer because there's someone else lined up right behind you who doesn't have to sell your home. And then when you're making that contingent offer, you're giving up something yeah. to get the seller to you know, deal with you, so to speak. So much of what we do, too, we forget. We get into the numbers. We're all number guys, no questions asked, is we forget the anthropology of this scenario, meaning this is shelter to people. Totally. If I have two children, I have two fur children, I mean, they can sleep anywhere. They'll sleep outside. They're sleeping right now. I guarantee you that. But- no, they're chewing up your shoes. If I had go kids ahead. and like they're in a, you know, I need them to feel comfortable. I'm not just throwing my house on the market and being like, I don't have a cave, you know, right? Caveman scenario. But I, I do believe that it's natural to find yourself shelter and then try to make money. Money, t- money comes after shelter. There's some people listening right now that this is strumming their chord because they're these are the things they're thinking about. And I think a lot of people right now are thinking about these things. So I have a couple of things that I want to offer up for you that um, aren't necessarily uh, the solutions that we've already discussed. Number one, we have a bridge loan product where you can get a loan against both houses, the house you have that has – because here's the problem, right? This is another – the other problem is all my money, all of my equity, my down payment is all wrapped up in my house. Yeah, So the new lender wants my equity on that home. Uh, If I don't sell this house, I don't have an ability to realize any of that equity to put that down payment. Correct. So there is a loan product we have where um, you can buy the new house and the loan uh, basically wraps the two properties. Correct. So now what you've got, a $700,000 house and an $800,000 house, um, you've got 1.5 of total real estate. And the balance of the loan goes against the 1.5. And then when you sell the existing home, then the proceeds from that get applied toward the loan balance. And it's all comes down to its um, new amortized payment for the rest of that deal. So that's an option. So um, the existing loan that I had on my house is gone. It, yeah. It now becomes the the loan that I bought my new house with. Yeah, like at funding, I'm gonna at funding, I'm gonna pay off your mortgage. Correct. I'm gonna buy you this new house. We're gonna use the equity in the old house you yeah. have as the down payment into the whole transaction. When you sell old house, all of that proceeds gonna go back towards the loan Principal. as we're gonna let that old house go and now just have a loan against the new house. So I don't love that strategy. Um for a couple reasons. Number one, that's not a Fannie Mae loan. So it's an expensive loan. Um, it probably does work really well when you're talking about people that are buying $800,000, you know, $1,000 houses and plus. Um, there's some transactional cost to it. And because it's not super common, it's just not going to be as smooth and controllable as a, as a standard loan. Um, but here's another option for you, and I think people forget about this one too. Um, I use this one a lot is I can try my best to get you 
approved for the new house without selling the old house. Mm-hmm. If your debt-to-income ratio can fit both, mm-hmm. um, you got to cozy up to the fact that for a little while you're going to be obligated to both of those loans and that you got to know that you have the savings and ability and you know just mental stamina to endure that. But That's if right. we can qualify you for both, here's a strategy – Make a minimum down payment out of savings or whatever on the new house or maybe a line of credit on the old house to be able to acquire the new house. You qualify for both payments, and then when you're ready, you've moved, you did the whole thing. Now you sell the old house. Mm-hmm. So um, that doesn't always work. you got to have pretty good household cash flow to be able to qualify for two mortgages, but um, we see it. And oftentimes I get people that are sitting at home and they're thinking to themselves, well, I'm not going to get caught up in that mess. They're financially conservative, right? And now that that person doesn't realize, yeah, but your household income is 200 grand a year. And so we could easily qualify that person for those two mortgages. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the the other thing that we've been able to do is – Sometimes, um, you know, the old house is in husband's name and the new house is in wife's name. And so they qualify separately that way. So my point is there's many different ways to peel this onion. And what we have to do is get together the right team, right? Sit down, come up with every one of these solutions and walk through them. And I, Mike, Mike said this several times is those – all of those things, those are not things you're figuring out on game day. Those no, are things we're negative. doing in spring training, right? Yeah. We're we're at the whiteboard Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and making an offer Friday. We're ready to play on the weekend time. And I think, you know, it, at the top of the hour, we'll go to a break. But I, what I want to do before we go to that break is I want Mike to uh, tease, if you will, the listeners about how your team works behind you. I mean, you're not a one-man band. No. <laughs> no. You I, couldn't be. I, I feel sorry for right. people trying to do this. By themselves. Yeah. I don't see how you can and create the experience that the clients deserve and do a great job at it by yourself. It's inconceivable. Well... But but I do do think a lot of people start that way, Mike. And I think what the listeners... I think you have to, right? A little bit, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Because it costs money to have a team. (laughs) So you've got to have some balls in play already, right? No, you don't have to start out on your own. That some that's people a, save money before they're a real estate agent. Can you believe that? Uh, yeah, I mean, oh. there there's a definite <laughs> path to, you know, starting a successful real estate business. Um, and it doesn't mm-hmm. always have to include being on your own for a little while. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah, I mean, I I really want to save a portion of the next hour for you to talk about that because I've I've done more than half a dozen transactions with your team now and. It's refreshing, to say the least, and I want our listeners to hear that. Also, I know real estate agents listen to this show. You might be in that time of year where you're thinking, this year just wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. Maybe you found yourself in the trenches doing more paperwork than you needed to do. Maybe you weren't marketing well enough. Maybe you just didn't get off the couch, but what I'm going to tell you is this. When we come back from this break, I I really like, yeah, I really like how uh, Mike's set up, but Leading into the break, I got to ask you, Mike. Real important question. Dun, ha- dun, dun. Have you purchased all of your Christmas presents? No. Okay. 
what I would say. I thought we were going to say, did you achieve all of your goals this year? Wait, let's do that again. 2017 goals as we wind to it. Did you do it? As we go into the break. Mike, have you achieved all your goals this year? Yes. All right. Bravo. Boy. Do we have a clap button? The, even your stretch goal? This, clap. Th- this year exceeded every one of my expectations. That is so cool. Dang. That is so cool because I remember sitting down with you at lunch. I can't remember if it was this year or end of last year. I feel like it was early this year. Jim says it was two years ago. Oh, no. I think he said I'm in two minutes. Oh, okay. okay. Two-minute break here. I think it was <laughs> we had break. lunch. You You were kind enough. To let me in on what you were starting to do, and um, and truthfully, a, a partner in my business, and brought me into the fold. And I remember you saying, "This is what I believe is going to happen," and it's really cool to see it happen for you. You know, thank you. I gotta know now, because I know a little bit about it, uh, but not enough. And now I'm like, all right, well, what, what? was going to happen, and what happened? You guys are what had happened, Mike? What what happened was. Um, anyway, so we have a whole nother hour together yeah. to talk about that. Um, I, I wanted to, before we forget to, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, that pre-approval process and how you guys handle, um, buyers and stuff that, that aren't pre-approved and don't think it's important. And, um, I don't know. I, it always trips me out whenever I hear about a, a buyer that made it through the first three obstacles of the the real estate process and hasn't yet spoken to a lender. That always blows my mind. So I want to talk about that. And then, of course, um, the other thing I, I'm dying to know about is um, I want to hear from both of you guys about what's going to happen next year. Your crystal ball, real okay. estate and loans. Perfect. M- mine's more of a magic eight ball than a crystal ball. Okay. You know, because yeah. it, it spits out some weird stuff every once in a while. Perfect. Yeah. All right, okay, guys. That's so entertaining. We got the top of the hour break here, which is about a five minute break. And so go do whatever you got to do. Get some more coffee, water the dogs, bring the trash cans in from the curb, right? That's what's that's what day it is in my neighborhood. And uh, we'll be back about five minutes with another hour of Mortgage Matters. Stick around. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Oh, there's no place like home for the holidays. Cause no matter how far away you When you pine for the sunshine of a friendly gaze For the holidays you can't beat home, sweet home I met a man who lives in Tennessee (laughs) He was heading for Working the Christmas music into the theme of home. Yeah, we came back from last break with some Ozzy, so why not? Happy holidays, everyone. Yeah, yeah. by the way, everybody... May your escrows go merry. It's December yeah. now, which it. really makes me feel like uh, November went by in just a blur. It was a so blip. Here we are in December. 
Um, you know, and I feel like the older I get, the faster these laps around the sun are, too. They you know are. That? They are. I had a security Sad. question the other day for my bank thing, and it said, where were you in Y2K? And I was like, oh, huh. man, of course I know where I was. We all remember where we were. I was in Vegas. Which I was is- in radio, and they were scared that all the radio music was going to be gone. I was on KJUG at the time. Right. They were scared that everything was going to be Except for the 45s. Except for the 45s. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, we rolled from 1999 to 2000 with no problem. No problem. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's ridiculous. Yeah. And now we use Bitcoins to pay for sandwiches. Yeah. That's a whole Which different Which I'm story. told we're not, we should not be doing. I'm not using Bitcoins? Yeah. Oh, that's a whole nother can of work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Bitcoin. I had some friends that mined Bitcoins, though, back when they were worth, like, coins. And then they used their <laughs> Bitcoins on other ridiculous things that now would be worth millions of dollars if they had just kept their coins. Right. They, so. bought, a, they bought a sandwich instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sandwich today is $800,000. Yep. I don't want to talk about Bitcoin, so moving on. Um, so we still have Mike Turnquist here, realtor extraordinaire. I want to talk more with Mike. Um, we haven't yet done anything economically on the show. Uh, and since because of the holidays and last week's mishap, it's been a few weeks since we've done the show here. I've got a couple of just kind of benchmarky things that I want to share with you guys just so that you know what's up. If you've been living in a hole... The Dow Jones Industrial Average is over 24,000 now. Uh, That's crazy. Mind-blowing. Yeah, NASDAQ is 68.47. Crazy. The 10-year bond yield um, was touching October highs this week. And, you know, of course, I bring that up. Longtime listeners of the show know that we track that 10-year bond yield because that's what mortgages most closely follow. Uh, One of the things we know about home loans is that no matter what your term of your home loan is, um, it behaves in the financial market most similarly to a 10-year bond. That's about the shelf life of a loan. So um, we watch that yield as it goes up and down. It has a little bit of relationship to what happens with mortgage-backed securities, but it's one of the only things that you can readily check to know what's going on in the mortgage market. So when the bond yield is increasing, then typically interest rates are increasing with it. When the bond yield is dropping, then interest rates are typically dropping with it. So this week, um, we had the bond yield uh, over 2.4. Yesterday, we finished out the day at 2.36. One cool little trick too, Mike, you probably know this, but... um, Generally speaking, the mortgage rate is about for a thirty-year fix is about a point and a half over the ten-year bond yield. So if you go line this out, two point three six, add your point and a half to that, um, you'd be at three point nine one and three point nine six on Monday. Yeah, that's right yeah. about where it is. So we're that's. A pretty good indicator. So anyhow, yesterday it finished out at two point three six, and in um, you know, so interest rates have been a little bit more volatile. Um, middle of this week, we found out about GDP. We got a second look, some of the revisions to quarter three GDP, um, which originally was a 3%. Um, 
that 3% read was a pretty good one. That's some strong GDP. Um, the second reading on quarter three came out at 3.3. So that's part of the reason that we saw bond yields go up and these kind of things. Um, also, we found out, um, and by the way, that GDP, that's some of the strongest GDP that we've seen in order in over a couple of years. Quarter one, 2015 was the last high watermark. Um, and I don't want to get into a full-blown GDP conversation, but that quarter one 2015 reading was largely about production and inventories and things like that that were that were um, the tail end of what started out as a pretty soft year. And so there was some argument to be made that the the output then, the economic output of 2015 really wasn't quite as robust. Um, and so here we are. Um, looking at quarter three and seeing that number be upwardly revised, that's very strong. Um, we got a couple of other really interesting things this week um, that I like. Um, one is that I just want to share with you guys, and I think we'll talk more about this at the tail end of the show, but the FHFA, so that's the what the Federal Home Housing. Finance Authority. Yeah. Um, this is basically the who's who of uh, all of the loan programs, especially since Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are in conservatorship now still since 2008. Um, I want to just share with you guys that these guys are evaluating and publishing the maximum conforming loan limit for, um, I mean, as it matters for us here in California, um, they set this loan limit for all of Fannie and Freddie FHA. Um, it was increased now um, to six fifteen two fifty uh, for a single family home um, in San Luis Obispo County. So one of the things I want is right now we're at five eighty six five. This is an interesting thing because it brings into grasp um, higher borrowing power at lower fixed rates. What previously was a jumbo loan, um, a $600,000 loan or a $615,000 loan, is now coming down into the conforming loan stuff. So this is really good news. I think there are some people that have a $600-ish thousand dollar jumbo loan. Um, those jumbo loans are at four and a quarter, four and a half. These conventional rates are closer to four and an eighth. So if you have a jumbo loan um, that is now, by way of this new expanded criteria, able to fit into the conforming bucket, that's something that we want to talk about. We'll talk more about that at the tail end of the show here. Um, but that's also just really relevant real estate stuff. And so prudent announcement, really. Yeah. And then, and then lastly, I think to kick off the next little bit here, um, we found out from the new home sales for the month of October. This is data that came out last week. New home sales were up, um, 6.2%. Um, above the September rate. So we're at an annual clip of 685,000 new homes being built and sold. Um, so that's pretty good. I mean, it it doesn't yet scratch the surface of what we need to make up for the 10 years of not building. Yeah, we're in the um, short by about a million. The median sales price of new homes sold in October was $312,800. Um, 
the average sales price was four hundred grand. So that's kind of crazy. Um, but essentially, we're seeing the new construction market um, doing pretty good. And so I want to I want to get down now. It's a little quick run through. I got more stuff that we can we can talk about a little bit later, but um, I wanted to get back down to this real estate conversation. I have more questions for our guest, Mike Turnquist. Um, would you say it is? It's Group Forty Six Ten. Yeah, that's our uh, that's our team, Group Forty Six Ten Central Coast. What's the significance of this number? Um, Stephen Covey wrote a little book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, indeed. Yeah. So one of those habits was begin with the end in mind. Mm. So our little slogan tagline, if you will, is is uh, all your real estate needs from beginning to end. Mm. And that, that makes sense. And it begins at Highway 46 and ends at Highway 10 or what? No. If you, if you go to Isaiah book 46 uh, 4610 it uh it it kind of matches up and aligns with that same principle got it and the um, Fred and Kevin the guys who founded our group um were in church one day and their pastor was talking about it i mean it's it's kind of a longer story but yeah, uh, it, sure. it, it kind of ties in I got um, it. pretty nicely awesome they tell the story way better than i do well I thought you did okay. Thank you. Tell me about this group, 4610, though. How many people? We have eight people on the team okay. at, at this point in time. And what are these eight people doing? They are selling a lot of homes. <laughs> <laughs> All just acting as a, a seller buyer agent? Yeah, they're sellers. They represent sellers and they represent buyers. So what you said earlier that um, being a part of a team is obviously a key to the borrower experience or the buyer experience, um, what's that look like? Well, we have – our team is, is broken down into uh, specialists. We are all specialists at what we do and we have other portions of the real estate transaction. There's about 180 things that happen in a real estate transaction um, and – we don't handle all 180 ourselves. Okay, our, our main job is to meet with the clients and and uh, you know sell them a house and get the house that they want or sell the house that they don't want. Um, and we don't have to spend the time worrying about administrative administrative tasks and and marketing and all the other stuff that takes time away from actually working with the clients and doing. Uh, activities that produce more business. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like, take, think about it this way. If you showed up to, you, you were going to have, let's say you're a pitcher in the major leagues and you were going to have Tommy John surgery and you showed up to your surgeon and your surgeon was there answering the phone, checking <laughs> people in and said, hold on one second. I got the phones ringing. I got to answer this phone. Um, and then hold on one second. I'm going to go process the insurance paperwork for the guy that was here before you. Right. Hold, hold on. Hold on. Somebody made a mess in the kitchen. Yeah. (laughs) Um, hold on. Yeah. I got to go clean the kitchen or whatnot. You would think that's very strange. I do. Yes. You would think, and, and as real estate agents, I would actually, I would feel like I'm at the wrong surgeon. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, cause when he's got you under the knife, He's got to go answer the phone. 
Yeah. He, or maybe he's got he didn't a, have time you know, to prep for the surgery. Maybe he forgets which arm it is. Yeah. I mean, it, in, and I don't understand why over the course of you know time, the real estate agent decided to, I'm going to juggle every single thing by myself. And I'm going to limit my abilities to work with maybe one, two clients at the same time. And they're going to get subpar service mm. because I'm a jack of all trades, master of none. Mm. Right. Okay. So you guys are good at the divide and conquer. You got organization. Pe- different people are responsible for different parts of the transaction and different um, leaving you to be just a lot better at the part you're really good at. Yeah. I get to just be a real estate agent, you know? Yeah. Do you find that um, your clients enjoy having access to you or do you find that most people are just like, I I just want to see houses? How many questions do you get that really show your worth to your buyer clients, Mike, or listing clients? Well, it's it's all, you know, set up up front. You know, we lay out the whole process and, and, you know, who, who, who's going to be handling what portion of the, you know, the transaction, you know, moving forward. Yeah. And and they love it. They love it. Every, every time we get, you know, compliments and testimonials about how it was the best real estate transaction they've done. Yeah. Yeah. I did a transaction in November with Mike and uh, we bought a, the husband's first house he's ever owned a chef. And if you have anyone in your family or have a friend that's a chef, I mean, they literally work all day. They get in at like 10 first plates aren't served till five, but they're like chopping the carrots or this guy's, you know, he's higher up on the food chain. He's making sure the, basil, the carrots are, the carrots are chopped appropriately. Basil's getting, you know, chiffon or julienne or whatever the heck that Whoa. stuff is called. And, and he like well, no, some the big words over there. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, I didn't bring up the story to use those words, but I do feel like I brought up the story to say that the impact that we made on his life was so huge. And this guy was literally until about the day we funded the loan, Jay, was like, are we going to get this loan? Because I just don't see how I can get a house. I mean, I've worked really hard. But the I'm not worthy. Yeah. Yeah. And I and if I didn't take three, four, five, six calls during that transaction to talk about this with him, and, and I know Mike did as well, then he probably would have failed in escrow and i think what what i'm what am i getting at why am i talking about this because i feel like our listeners have relationships with maybe their realtor maybe their lender but usually there are times during the transaction or after the transaction where you want to talk to them still and you might not be able to have that relationship i feel like with mike turnquist what i like about working with him is that he he gets it it's not a transaction it's the beginning of a relationship or another purchase in that relationship. And that that's valuable. The other thing I want to just say quickly while I'm on the topic is that most people think that we are, um, you know, available 24 hours, seven days a week. And I got to tell you that we have families, we have lives, we, but we love what we do. The three of us at this table love what we do. And I think that, Mike, one of the things I really appreciate about your team is that when you're with your kids at a basketball tournament or something, I can reach your team 
I don't have to wait for the surgeon to get done with surgery and answer the phone. And I think that's powerful. And I, I do believe that you've picked a good team. You know, that's part of it. Anyone can have people to answer the phone, but your the skill I get from your office is, is huge. So if you're thinking about buying a home or selling a home, you know, you'd be the agent I would think of to refer people to. And I, and I think you need to, I think you need to be proud of that because there's a lot of work out there to be done for agents. When when you say 180 things happen in a transaction, I feel like people, people on listening or people out in the, in the market really need to appreciate the process and yeah, yeah, yeah. Buying a house is basically just looking around on the internet and then making an offer, right? Right. <laughs> it's it's been it's been reduced to that, which is a shame. Well, I mean, I I definitely hear that kind of sentiment from time to time, and those those people need to spend a little bit of time with a real estate agent to see what really happens. And, and a lot of the work really does go on behind the scenes. It's, it's really true. I mean, the same thing makes me realize too, and that, but that's why a great agent, especially with a great team um, is going to develop a, a loyal following and, and, and really get some good traction. It's the same thing. Why we're never going to re- be replaced by online lending, you know, is that, People do need that expertise. There's something to be said about all the problem solving of having uh, that experience, that team behind you, that ability to make it all happen. But then also, you know, the other thing I think is that's great is um, with the team. And and I feel like Central Coast Lending is a team. I, I, I bet you, Mike, points. I bet you that you sort of salivate over this idea a little bit about like how these real estate agents have a good team. Um, but we have a team too. And, you know, your team is everybody on your staff that's all working towards that same goal, that's willing to take that phone call, answer that question, help, help get something, you know, that's in, and we're always working towards trying to, to help get everything specialized and going smoothly through the process too. Uh, But having that support staff behind you of those people that actually care, um, that's the one thing I think is a super refreshing difference in terms of industry type of stuff. Um, We've all had that customer service experience where the person's reading the script or doing the things, but it's just a job. And when you're a part of something like this, be a real estate team or a mortgage team, um, where you, the people that you're working with really love what they do and they're doing it because they don't want to do anything else and they're striving to be the best at what they're doing. That's a, that's a different, that's a whole different set of engagement than the person that's just kind of scabbing together a job, just trying to get a little paycheck, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, all right. I want to, I want to ask you, I know we're, we're getting to the witching hour here and I know you got some appointments. What time do we need to get you out of here? I'm good. Okay. I want to ask you a couple questions now about um what are your what are your expectations for what's going to happen this upcoming year? In ter- and and really, I mean you can answer a little bit personally about what you guys intend to accomplish as a team, but I'm also asking kind of broader here for real estate both local and kind of even in the broader sense, what should we look forward to this year? 
Uh, similar to uh, the current year here, but we are going to see, especially in San Luis Obispo, a massive uptick in new construction. Right. And I, I, I can have theories about what that may or may not do to the market. Um, I mean, it's an immense amount of new construction here in San Luis Obispo uh, alone. Um, almost the same number of new homes are going to be coming online in the next 18 to 24 months than we sold in the complete market. So that's going to radically change the inventory level. But what it might do is create a lot more sales because we'd sell more houses if there were more houses to sell. Sure. You right? betcha. Um, and, and maybe that's a, a thing that people uh, are willing to move to. Hey, I can get a brand new house and this is going to cause me to sell my house where I wasn't going to sell before. Right. And mm-hmm. it, 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 it can, it, it's going to change the market, but I can't tell whether it's going to flood the inventory and change things or it's going to be great because people are going to start moving more than they were. Yeah. I know. I've thought a little bit about that too. There is a lot of new construction coming. And one thing I know is that um, the, the builders and their investors that are, that are doing these projects are going to be careful to keep their finger over the pulse in terms of phasing and pricing and profits. And if you spend much time with builders lately, scratching up an 8 or 10 or 14% profit margin on an entire project like that is quite a feat. So I think it'll be introduced to the market in a way that, sure, they're not going to be competing only with themselves and the the inventory of their individual phasing. They'll be competing with each other. My theory is that that isn't going to move the needle. Um, Yes, I agree with you 100%. It's a lot of inventory. Um, In terms of new home volume, it it makes up for – um, a little bit of what we've been lacking, but I I believe that there's such a pent up demand that's so under recognized that we'll see these people coming out of the woodwork and the interest lists and the sales paces um, will be sort of just a head scratching thing where we'll get down to the end of it and realize that it wasn't enough to move the needle. Um, you got to think about I. These are fun things to think about. Now, guys, I want to ask you both this real quick, too. Is the recession over? I mean, we all know by definition that two consecutive right. quarters of a, a drop in GDP. Okay, that's not what I'm asking you. But in terms of are we all healed, back to work, everyone we know in our personal life, doing good, looking better, moving on, is the recession completely behind us? I think because of the creative financing in certain fields like the auto industry and the mortgage industry and how they've made these industries have made things more affordable, it feels like the recession's behind us. I quiver when I see things happening, like geopolitical things happening, but I believe domestically we're we're at the point now where we've had what is this, the eighth year of a bull run? Yeah. So I, I I answer your question cautiously, but I believe that it's a it's a smoke and mirror situation, and we're not through the recession. So you don't feel, and just I mean, I I'm not even that, asking for real proof, but just your sentiment. Yeah, How my do you gut, feel? my gut says that you still need to save money, be careful, and wait for the other shoe to drop. That's okay. what my gut says. It's probably a way of being raised. Sure, but, but that's how I feel. And our other Mike. 
Well, some would say that we have come out and what you're referring to, your caution, would be the next recession. Mm. Well put. Maybe I'm just wait, trying to get ahead of it. You know, I, I wake up on the first day of the month and I have zero dollars as income because I get paid based on loans that close. Um, I have a partnership with all of my clients. I want them to do well. And at the end, I do well. Yeah. And and what's beautiful about that is that if you stay focused and really care about people, you'll never have to worry about money. But at the end of the day, I do worry that our economy isn't ready to just like go to the moon. So check this out. It's been a decade. Since the crash. Yeah. And uh, in that decade, people have come full circle now. Let's talk about some of those people that are graduating high school at the mm-hmm. beginning of the recession, and today they're doctors. Mm-hmm. There are people that went bankrupt and lost everything at the beginning of the recession. Today, their bankruptcy is seven, eight, nine, ten years discharged. They're basically fully financially healed um, if they took all the correct steps and things like this. Um, All those millennials at the beginning of this recession, those kids that were 18 years old, they're 28 years old now. And even if they're not doctors, they're welders, plumbers, electricians, they work at Amazon, they, they do all these different things. Point being, there's been an awful lot of people that have been waiting for the time in the market when they could make something happen. And these, so that's the thing I think is that Interesting. Um, rents have also gone through the roof now. Let's talk about that for a second. Um, do you remember rents? I remember yeah. rents 10 years ago. Um, in fact, at the beginning of the recession, I had to move home. Um, I was, I went down to open up a, a branch for a different company, a mortgage company. I was down in the San Diego area. I had to move back here to the central coast. And uh, I rented a house. I rented a house with about a 14-foot-long, 8-foot-wide picture windows, three doors up from the beach in Baywood, just sick back bay views, beautiful house, um, quite the spread. Uh, and it was a little bit of a premium at the time. I paid 1700 bucks for this place, 1700 bucks a month. Mm. Wow. Yeah. You know what those rent for today? Three. Pretty close to it. Yeah. So uh, rents have gone up and up and up. And earlier when we were talking about that homeowner that's like worried to, to sell because they don't want to become a tenant again and stuff, part of that is looking up. After you've owned a home for three or four years, you begin to look up and you look at the rents and you go, man, the rents are now greater than my mortgage payment. Mm. And so that not only does that play into the psyche, but that's another part of the market is – you you those people that weren't able to buy now are they're going to be salivating over this new inventory and slow mm-hmm. and also let's talk about all those other people too uh, mike points you're lucky enough to be a property owner in slow that's right in, in slow proper that's awesome um and how many people live in one of the bedroom communities around slow that are desperate to get into slow. That yeah. that's been their thing. That's why they're here. That's where they work. That's where they want to be. They want to start that game plan of owning a piece of San Luis Obispo proper for life. It's really important to a lot of people. And and under the current situation, it's not. So maybe selling some new houses, 
will allow them to sell their existing homes in the bedroom communities, which will help free up things enough probably around the county a little bit. Um, I hope that that's true. I worry that uh, we're not going to see as much of a benefit as I hope, you know, because when you agree that it would be good for the health of all of us in terms of the real estate economy, if we could sort of thaw that a little bit, let some people buy, creates people to sell, which will let some new people buy and new people sell. That's how we would start to get that inventory problem moving, right? That buyer have that confidence that you could find what you want. You could sell your house and 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 be able to find what you want in a low pressure environment. Yeah, and it would it would what it would do is hopefully create a lot of the move up buyers. Yeah. You know, which trickles down to the entry level, the first time home buyers who are really struggling right now because there is no inventory and that causes the prices go up. And and I've worked with people that have been priced out while I was working with them. Yeah. And Mm. they they ended up just not buying. And that that was really frustrating. And they did, you know, a few of them have tried to make some decisions or sleep on stuff where they did lose on some houses and, and now they're still renting. Yeah. You know, I'd I'd love to see more, you know, entry level inventory, you know, and if it takes people moving up to do that, you know, it's all part of the cycle. Yeah. Right. Um, I'd love to see that. Yeah. So I hope, I hope that we see those positive influences from adding a little bit of new inventory before we move on from this topic. Let me just tell you this, you know, slow has had this 1% growth thing. Since what seventy something, right? Yeah. That's what it was. And if you go back and look at and calculate out what is one percent growth since then, um, it's not even been close to one percent. So um, it's it's radically underserved, underbuilt. And I know there are people that are just freaking out right now because there's already some little circulation problems, isn't there? Yeah, going south out of slow. At the 4.30 to 5.30 hour is, like, tough. Navigating Los Osos Valley Road with or without some asphalt breakup they got going on down there is tough. Um, It feels like it's already a little impacted. So what happens when you add 1,800 new homes? Caltrans, get working. (laughs) The infrastructure. That's, that's, you know, we had it on the ballot. We had Measure J on the ballot when – President Trump was elected, but we we chose not to put it in action, and that was the um, the measure, if you will, that allowed us to separate our decisions on infrastructure, road costs, and things of that nature, our property taxes, if you will, um, excuse me, not property taxes, our dollars from the state now are given to us with Sacramento saying, hey, you need to widen the third lane in 101 between Higuera and yeah. Maddie Road. We're, we're like, well, there's an ocean there. We can't, we can't really widen that lane. What we need to do is we need to, we need to make a whole another lane on both sides of 227 going out of town because now it's a traffic jam. But anyway, Oh, yeah, that's your answer is you want to put it through those beautiful properties and open space over there. Those people moved out to the country to get away from that traffic congestion, Mike. It's not easy. It's not easy. <laughs> no. I. <laughs> but it's all coming. It's all derivative of new houses. Of course, yeah. I'm teasing you a little bit, but um, my time spent when I worked with Caltrans, one of the things I learned for sure is that um, – 
the planning process is long and difficult and you're no matter where you slate any kind of uh, development, improvement, widening, repair, whatever, it, everyone's mad at you mm-hmm. no matter where you go. It's mm-hmm. really difficult. So um, anyhow, I think we're ready for the final commercial break of the show. I um, think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and let's go ahead and uh, we'll – We'll get Mr. Turnquist out of here. I know you got some appointments to get to um, later here, but uh, I, I want to give you the opportunity real quick before we hit the button. Um, how can people get a hold of you? I, I don't doubt that there are people listening today that are like, you know what, that's the kind of expertise and thoughtfulness that I need. And so, of course, we want to let them know how to reach you. Um, am I allowed to give my cell phone number out on the radio? Is that what you're you you can do whatever you're comfortable with, but um, <laughs> if you want to give a web or an email or a cell phone, yeah, uh, whatever you want. You guys can email me at, at mike.turnquist at group4610network.com. It's kind of long. I didn't pick it, but uh, sure. it's it's uh, mike.turnquist, just like it sounds, at group4610network.com. Okay, and you can you can find our website. Um, just Google Group Forty Six Ten Central Coast, and it'll pop up. And okay, and uh, yeah, it's it's the um, we're pretty proud of our website. It's it's got a direct link to the uh, MLS, which is if you've experienced the horrible horrible Zillow website, and where mm-hmm. you know they're great at getting information but updating it. Um, you can check out any home here on the central coast and it's updated about every five to 10 minutes. So you're seeing just about the same information that we see on our end. Um, and it's, it's, it's been a fabulous tool for us. Uh, one of the many tools that we use to give our clients the advantage. Cool. And of course too, guys, if you're, uh, in the car or can't figure out, uh, how to get to that, email address or even google search that you can always call us too we know how to get a hold of mike and his team and so we'd be happy to share that info with us so you can give us a call if you want to at 543 loan uh but mike thanks for coming on today and uh you you did well for especially for a third time guy because you know as it the more experience you have the higher our expectations go too that's cool that's it's an honor to be on here with you guys and do business with you guys every every week and and, uh, yeah, thanks so much for the opportunity to come on the air with you. I can do this all day. I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> I usually welcome. apologize to our new clients when we first sit down. I said, do you have anywhere to go? Because I'll sit in this room and talk about houses all day long, and you may have to stop me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Perfect. So thanks again, guys. All right. Thank you, you much. All right, guys. We're going to do the final commercial break here of the hour, and we'll be back in a couple minutes with the conclusion of Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's a common myth that home buyers need to save a 20% down payment to buy a home. The fact is we offer numerous zero down and low down payment loan programs. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRE number 018-396-08. California DBO number 605-4783. NMLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. guys welcome back okay dokie um there's another little piece of home news to tell you about mike we got the case and schiller home price index for the month of september I always think it's funny that this this home price index has like a two month lag on it. Yeah, well, it's a lot of reconciling. It is a lot of reconciling. Um, let me give you the bullet points of this home price index. Well, first, let me give you a little bit of a um, just a brief overview. Case and Schiller collects data from individual markets, and then they compile. Um, they make a 20-city composite index um, where they cover home prices in 20 cities across the U.S., and um, that's probably the one, the 20-city composite is is the big one that we that we put most of the, uh, the trust in. Home price index rose 6.2% in September. So that's a year over year. Um, That index rising 6.2% is the fastest annual rate since 2014. So, and and by the way, 20 city composite index, this is zooming out and taking a pretty big look at what's going on nationally in terms of home prices. Um, That... Increase was more than expected again, and the you know basically what we're seeing here is that 
home prices continue to just kind of slow and steadily work at and above our expectations of that increasing home value. Mm -hmm. A healthy market, by the way, is somewhere between three to five percent. So let's call it four. Four percent annual home price appreciation. We're still out earning that clip nationally. Another great thing about this data that we have for home price indices is that it, we're not limited to just one source. Um, we've got several different um, data sets that give us an idea of what we can find um, home price appreciation to be nationally. Another one um, that came out this last week shows um, – So this is the FHFA again. Um, FHFA, the Federal Housing Finance Agency, they produce a home price index. The home price index for FHFA is a little bit different. And and one of the things I want to share with you guys is that FHFA home price index is based on all loans that are done by Fannie and Freddie. So Mm -hmm. a few years back... There was a real surge within the appraisal data to normalize the inputs to different fields. You know, I mean, it's been, we've long understood what a quality one versus a quality three or a condition one versus a condition four. We've always understood what those are, but um, in terms of an appraisal, but making sure that all of the data fields are basically selected from a drop down so you don't have appraisers freestyling and what that did was it made these reports now to where they could be uploaded into the system mm-hmm. the comps and adjustments and historical data so now now that so many loans are going through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac this data is being collected and it's being analyzed now and now we're being able to see what that story tells so this is different than like Casey Very Schiller, different. which is going to be looking at um, home sales only. Right. Okay. Recorded. Private. Recorded. Yeah. Private sales, public sales, but it's all based off of recorded information. Yep. FHFA's home price index works on purchase and refinance loans. And it uses appraisals as opposed to listings and or deed of trust recordings for that the sales information. So anyhow, this one for me, I'm not going to suggest that it necessarily has more clout, but has a definitely is using some real data analytics of a broader swath of what's going on in the market. This one shows that home prices rose 1.4% in the third quarter of 2017, bringing um, the annualized, so third quarter over third quarter to 6.5%. Um, just on the monthly gain, we had September was increased 3.3% from August. So this is, um, again, This is another data set that tells us what's going on with the price of real estate nationally. Um, For every buyer um, that has utilized a Fannie or Freddie loan, so that's a it's a pretty good sampling. Um, 
it leads us to this place where we we understand that home home values are going up and they're going up nationally and it's likely it's for the same reason everywhere which is really um a supply and demand issue mm-hmm. uh i was looking here the the top 5 areas for annual appreciation district of columbia Number one, 11.6% annualized growth there in value. State of Washington. I mean, I see Seattle booing up these numbers all the time. The The, the gains in Seattle are ridiculous. Um, but the state of Washington is up 11 11.5% year over year. Hawaii taking the number three spot on the list at 10%. Arizona. 10% and then Nevada 9.6%. So people always, you know, here in California we have this natural um kind of inclination to compare what we are or think we set the bar or something like that. We're not even ranking. Yeah. Um I mean our California appreciation is right around that 6% number too. Um but anyhow there there's other parts of the the nation that are wildly outproducing us. So that give you an idea of, and I think sets the stage for why FHFA rolled out these new loan limits that are coming for 2018. Um, Almost definitely. Yeah. As home values Second are going in a row. up and the desire is to keep homes affordable and also keep that access to financing for as many people as possible that, should have access to the conforming loan limits. Um, not every county, by the way, is uh, a part of the what? What's the correct term, Mike, for um, the high cost areas? I think it it might affluent. Yeah, well, Fannie uses uh, a specific term for it, but yeah, let's call it high cost. Um, There are parts of California where it's just more expensive to live. And, you know, it's based on a metro area that's got a high sales price compared to surrounding areas. And so there are places that are are given, I think it's 115% of the median value if you're in one of those high cost areas. So there are some places around where you can borrow a loan clear up to 679, 650. So places on the list that you'll be familiar with is um, San Francisco, Oakland area. Um, You've got Santa Barbara making that list. Um, Los Angeles, the subset, which is the Long Beach and Anaheim district. Um, Anyhow, there's a handful of places, Napa, Monterey, um, that end up having an ability to do a loan almost to 680,000. That's for a conforming loan. Um, Here in amazing San Luis Obispo County, uh, we're determined to be one of those high cost areas, but 115% of our median sales price is 615250 So um, the minimum down payment on that loan program is 10%, right? 
10 or 5. 5. As right as I said it, I'm like, no, it used to be 10. There was an expansion a couple years ago that made it 5. So you can take that maximum loan amount, add 5% to that. That would tell you kind of if you want to stay with a minimum down in our market and figure out your maximum purchase price, you're able to say now that number moves from what was 600,000 or so now is moving up closer to 650,000. So it's creating more affordability for what I would argue um, is probably in some cases it's a, it's a pretty well-to-do household that is wanting to buy a, um, kind of a mid-level home. I'm, I'm not going to suggest a $650,000 house is an entry-level house around here. Is it in slow? I don't think so. Six hundred fifty. Yeah, not entry level. Not entry level. That's move up. That's move 515's up. Five fifteen's entry level. Yeah. So um, anyhow, it just it brings into reach that level of property to people at a lower loan amount, and I know that or at a lower interest rate. I I brought this up earlier, you know, to kind of think about just to get people thinking about who it is that this helps and. Uh, I got to tell you, I can think of a couple of groups right away that if you're listening, if I catch your interest here, um, it's it's time to call in and talk this week. Number one is in the last couple of years, um, we've seen these tactics of doing an 80% first and a 10% second to avoid mortgage insurance. So you do a first lien all the way up to the maximum conforming loan amount, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the 586.5 number. So if you bought a house in um, what's one of the new ones down off of Santa Margarita? Um, Sarah Meadows. Sure. Let's take them, for example. Mm -hmm. So you buy a house down in there, you get a max loan of 586.5. Get a little second to make up whatever else you need, um, depending on your down payment, whatever. Now you have a first and a second, might have a pretty good interest rate on the first, not that great on the second. This expansion of this loan amount might create a refinance opportunity for those people to get both of those loans refinanced into one loan mm-hmm. with the new higher conforming loan amount. Um could be a real game changer for your cash flow. Mm. Um, other people really are um, equally obvious, but those are people that have a jumbo loan. If you owe $615,000 or so on your loan and you were just outside of, um, you know, I, I'm thinking of one transaction I did last year for um, a, a past client that owed $630,000 on his home and we had to do a real jumbo loan, and I was going, man, if you can beg, borrow, or steal that money to get us down to a- 586. Yeah, that 586.5, we're going to save a lot of money. You're going to get a way better loan, and just couldn't work it out. It was too much money. But now that we are reaching the 615, I'm going to revisit that. So I just that's the second group of people I think is a real obvious call. If you have a jumbo loan that's around 615, um, it's time now to take a look and see if something can be done here to to lower your obligation, get you into a better loan. 
So in any case, if you guys are listening to this and you decide that you just need to explore it, either because you want to buy a home at the new loan amount or you want to refi out of a second or out of a jumbo, give us a call. Uh, one number rings all of our offices. It's 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. Additionally, you can find us on the web at centralcoastlending.com. All of our contact information is on there, easy easy peasy to figure out. But we post interest rates, tips on credit cleanup. Uh, there's a blog component. There's kind of a lot there. So if you haven't been to the website, I'd encourage you to go ahead and go do that. There's also an online loan application. So if you're listening to today's show and you know that – um, really what you need to do is to get in for a pre-approval or for a refi or something like that. You can also just fill out a loan application this week and we'll get a hold of you as soon as we can and, and get you in to get your problem solved. Thanks much, Mike, for giving Dan a day off today. Thanks for having me. And uh, guys, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another live episode of Mortgage Matters. Hope you're well.